Welcome to the Single Cell World, the podcast for scientists in which we disentangle single cell technology. Here, frustration and failure are transformed into clarity and understanding. I am Katia Motinho, and in this podcast, I want to share with you my experience in single cell research. How? In the form of useful advices that you can use in the lab after each episode. Ready to learn? Let's start! Before I start, I want to mention that I don't have any agreement with single-cell companies. My goal is always for you to know all the options that are out there concerning single-cell experiments or spatial transcriptomics or spatial biology experiments. I'm saying this because I will start mentioning different companies. Hi everyone, I hope everything's okay on your side. To do a single-cell sequencing experiment independently of the biological molecule that we want to study, we need always a cell suspension. But not any cell suspension, as you may already know. We need a cell suspension with happy cells. And what does it mean? It means live cells, not stressed, individualized, so no aggregates, and in a solution without any debris. As you can imagine, this is kind of easy when we have liquid samples, since our cells are already individualized and in suspension. What we will need to do is just wash them, maybe remove some dead cells and move downstream to our single cell experiment. By the way, if you are working with liquid samples, I highly recommend you the episode 7 of this podcast. The problem comes when we have solid tissues, solid samples. Here, we will need to separate the cells from each other without stressing them and ourselves. Today, I will talk in general terms about the different phases of sample preparation for solid samples. Why in general? Because each solid sample will have a specific protocol with specific details. For example, it is not the same to get a cell suspension from a plant tissue than from an animal tissue. The sample preparation phases will be the same but each tissue will have their specific things. It can be the type of enzymes used while we are doing an enzymatic digestion or an extra step. Before I continue, let me tell you that when we refer to a solid sample in single cell research, we are referring to a biological tissue that can come from plants, organoids, or animal, normal, or disease organs. Let's see then the different phases of sample preparation for solid samples. Phase 1. Determining the best protocol. The first step, and I will say the clever thing to do, is to look for protocols that have already been published or recommended by others. These protocols need to be protocols that were used for the same type of solid sample like ours. This is clever. Why? Because, as with any recommendation, we know that it already worked for someone, but we always need to keep in our mind that sometimes it's not really like that. And if it is, if it worked for someone else, we must, I will repeat this, we must optimize it, the protocol, in our hands and in our lab. Different users using the same protocol, the final result can be different, believe me. So, some places where we can find sample preparation protocols for solid and other type of samples are protocols.io, PubMed, BioArchive, ResearchGate, and, very important, single cell companies' websites. Protocols.io, I don't know if you are aware of it, but it is a protocols database. I highly recommend you to go and have a look. You will find single cell protocols, but also other types of protocols. Then we have PubMed, where we can find scientific papers already peer-reviewed, while in BioArchive, 
We also find scientific papers, but these were not yet reviewed by external scientific journal. We can also find some protocols on ResearchGate and most important, again, companies' web pages. For example, if you will use Mission Biotechnology, the tapestry, go to their web page and check their protocols for sample preparation, but also free resources, publications. And if you cannot find any protocol that can be used with your type of sample, you can always write to the technical support. My experience is the technical support of single cell companies, they are very nice and they have a lot of expertise answering all the questions. So you can do this. Another option is for you to see if anyone in your professional network, and you can include me, if anyone did a single cell experiment with the same type of sample that you will use. And like this, this person or these people can tell you about the challenges that they faced and how they overcame them. Something that I want to highlight before we move to phase two is that independently from the source or imagine that you have different protocols for your type of sample, choose always the simplest and shortest protocols. Why? Because the more we handle our samples, the lower quality they will become, especially for single-cell RNA, protein, or multiomic approaches. Phase 2. Protocol Optimization This will be the more difficult and time-consuming phase of your single-cell experiment, maybe also the more frustrating. Optimizing protocols for single-cell experiments is not easy. I'm telling you this because when I started with single-cell experiments, I had almost 15 years of wet lab experience. And even right now, there are some protocols that are kind of challenging to optimize for certain samples. So don't worry if you get frustrated because you will overcome the challenges. And for that, ask, ask for advice, ask for opinions, show your, your negative results. It's okay. The thing that you have to do is to find a solution for your problem. Well, this is science, right? In this phase, you already have an idea of the sample preparation protocol that you will need to use. Maybe because you discovered a published protocol or someone referred one to you. Anyways, you will need to optimize it. Well, we all know that in theory, yes, we follow the same basic protocols in different labs. But is this completely right? No, I can tell you that no. I was in different labs, different labs that were in different countries, and the same protocol was made differently. So different labs always make small changes or small adaptations. On top of that, we still have the small changes that each lab member does to the protocol. I will tell you about an experiment that I did in the lab. I gave the exactly same sample to different people in the lab, and I asked them to use the same protocol, the same sample preparation protocol. What I can tell you is that the final number of cells and quality of the cell suspension was different. So believe me when I say that it's crucial to optimize the sample preparation protocols, that mm, small changes, small things like, for example, using the same reagent from different lots or the fact that the protocol will be performed by different people all these can have a significant impact on our final result. Also, something that is important and I would like to highlight, especially for people that are new in the single-cell world, is that there are things that we do when we are preparing a sample for bulk experiments that we cannot do when we are preparing that sample for a single-cell experiment. Like, for example, centrifugations at high speed. The protocol optimization phase can be divided in four steps. 
The first one is the tissue washing. As the name says, we should wash our biological tissue, this independently if it is fresh or preserved. We should wash it in a specific buffer to remove any contaminants. Let me say that this step is a lot of times forgotten, especially when people are handling fresh solid samples. Let me give you an example. Let's imagine that we receive in our lab a fresh human specimen directly from the operating room. In this case, we should wash the tissue with PBS or another compatible buffer to remove the excess of blood, ideally to remove all the blood. This step may decrease the amount of red blood cells present in our final cell suspension and like this will avoid an extra step where we need to remove the red blood cells that is using a red blood cell lysis buffer. In the second step, we will do a mechanical dissociation of our solid tissue. And here we can use scissors, we can use blades, and basically we need to cut in very, very small pieces, the smallest that we can, our solid tissue. This will help the protagonists of the next step, the enzymes, to do their job. So in the step 3, we will do an enzymatic dissociation or enzymatic digestion. First, I would like to mention that the enzymes are like biological scissors that will help us to cut the junctions that exist between our cells, the cells that constitute our solid tissue. And normally, most part of the enzymes, they work very well at high temperatures. It's like when it's cold, they want to sleep. However, it's true that there are certain enzymes already commercialized that work at low temperatures. Why am I mentioning temperatures? Because high temperatures are problematic in the case we are doing single-cell RNA-seq or single-cell protein experiments, since high temperatures will increase the degradation of these biological molecules. So the key for this step is to find the best enzyme an enzyme that we know that it works in the type of tissue that we will do sample preparation, and also try to incubate uh, the tissue with enzymes for the shortest amount of time. What we should do is to put our tissue with enzyme or a mixture of enzymes, incubate it for five minutes at the ideal temperature, and if possible, in the thermomixer with a shaking around 300 RPMs. And then after five minutes, we go, we check the tissue, and we also can help doing a mechanical dissociation. For that, we need a 1 ml pipette with a tip that will be a whiteboard tip. If you don't have whiteboard tips, you can always cut a small piece of the tip with a scissor, and then you pipe it very slow, but pipe it the tissue, and this will help to the dissociation. After these five minutes, if you will see that the tissue is still uh, not dissociated, you can incubate more and repeat this process until a maximum of incubation of 45 minutes. More, it will really increase the degradation of the cells and of course the expression of genes related with stress, with apoptosis, and we don't want those genes in our results. After our solid tissue dissociation, what we will have is a cellular solution. This solution will have individual cells in suspension, but also debris, cell aggregates, and maybe dead cells. What we will need to do now is to get rid of this, so is to clean up our cellular solution. This is a step four of protocol optimization. And how can we do that? There are different ways, but as always, I like the fast and the simplest protocol. 
my first option will be the filtering of the cellular solution using strainers. Here, my advice is for you to start with 100 micrometer strainer. This is diameter of the pore. Check your sample. And if needed, you can use a strainer of 70 micrometers or a 40 micrometer one. But keep in your mind that every time that we filter, we will lose cells. If you see that the filtering was enough to clean your sample, perfect. If not, there are other options. The other options can be a gradient density centrifugation, like using FICOL or OptiPrep protocols. Other protocol that can be used is FAX. In the case you don't have a lot of debris, but you have a lot of dead cells, more than 60%, let's say, you can use a cell death removal kit. With this, you will remove part of the dead cells. I will not say that you will remove 100%, but most of them you can remove. But again, if you have a lot of dead cells, my advice is for you to try to get other sample, if possible, of course. I will not enter in a lot of details concerning the cleanup protocols because they are the same protocols that we use to do sample preparation for liquid samples. So please go and listen to episode 7 because in this episode I gave a lot of details and I explained very well each one of these approaches. Now we will enter in the last phase of the sample preparation. Phase 3. Cell Counting now that we have our cell suspension with happy individual cells, we will need to know how many cells we have. Ideally, for high-throughput single-cell approaches, like the ones from Tenext Genomics, we will need to start with 1 million cells. Well, well, okay, we can start with alpha million. But in case we want to do a multiomic approach, maybe we will need more. It will depend on the protocol. In the case right now you are thinking, oh my god, I just have hundreds of cells you still can do as a single cell experiment, but you will need to use a low throughput approach like the one that is commercialized by Takara Bio, the SmartSeq protocol. So how can we count our cells? We can do it manually or with an automatic counter. If we are doing it manually, we will need a new power chamber, tripan blue and a microscope, a normal one. Independently of the way that we are counting our cells, we must check them under the microscope. This is especially important when we are using automatic counter because sometimes the automatic counter cannot focus, can have a problem counting our cells. So we really must check our cells under the microscope to see how they are and have an idea of the numbers. If we are doing manual counting, we need to pay attention to some things like the fact that all the different samples that we are using the experiment they need to be counted by the same person, using the same microscope and the same amplification. Otherwise, there will be a huge bias in our experiment. The numbers will not match. This is why when a project has a lot of samples, we should use an automatic counter. And I will give you two examples of automatic counters. These ones were the ones that I used, so this is why I recommend them. They are the LUNAFL and the CytoSmart counters. When I use them, I use with the option of dual fluorescence. So these give us a better idea of the cells that are really dead or live. Another important thing is to ask someone to double check our calculations. These also highly recommended. Well, cell counting seems very simple. When I mention it to people that never did a single cell experiment, they always say, yeah, I did cell counting. Yes, but you will be surprised if I tell you that is one of the main causes for a failure on a single cell experiment. 
Right. So we need really to make sure that our cells are well counted. An extra zero can be the reason for the failure. And this is everything for today. I hope you understand how critical is to optimize the sample preparation protocols, especially for solid samples. To be honest, invest time, check for good protocols, optimize, optimize, optimize until you have happy cells in suspension. Think always that a poor input sample will result in a poor output result. So thank you so much for listening. Is everything for today and see you next week. Next week, I will talk about preservation methods for samples that will be used in single cell experiments. Thanks for listening to the Single Cell World podcast. If you think it was useful or you learned something new, please spend some seconds rating this podcast on Spotify or leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts. It will make me super, super happy. For more tips or advice, follow me in Instagram or Twitter at Single Cell World or simply subscribe our website or blog at www.thesinglecellworld.com. Well, I will wait for you next Monday with a new episode.